Best Euro I've ever been at. It's so nuts, is the message that I received from Brian Campion earlier today after the Germany-France game. It's been a wild ride. 16 of the 36 games have finished within three goals. We've seen five draws in the opening stage and a bunch of shocks throughout the competition. Alex Kulisher also thinking that this is potentially the greatest Euro of all time. I'm joined by Chris. Do you think that this is the best year of all time? Alex, I'm in Munich right now. It's a Tuesday night. There's a party in the hotel with Icelandic fans on one side of me. Half the referees are about to get the devastating news that they're being sent home on the other side of me. I've just been, uh, I've just seen the closest group we've ever had. Great times. And I can't wait to, it is only seven days old. And yeah, potentially the greatest Euro on the way. And Brian Campion is here as well. The author of the statement. So, Brian, why is it th- why is it so nuts? I think it's just. I think when Hungary are playing so well, you know it's going to be a fucking nuts Euro. Like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think back to the preview podcast when I saw the result with Hungary today. I was like, I just kept thinking back to our guest Teddy, and uh, what he was saying. He was just so confident. Oh, we're going to win the group. Like you know, we have to think big. And then it's just like. Because every one thing you know about handball is that no one really knows anything at this level. And it's the absolute chaos in some games. And actually, my favorite moment of all was Georgia. That was just the wildest. That was just the wildest thing. The clips from that game are just like, that's like some weird amateur rock and roll kind of handball stuff going. Like keeper coming out of the goal, intercepting the ball. It just absolutely, just madness altogether. So, so even like the games that you think are going to be like rubbish or there's just so much entertainment from top to bottom, really. And then Austria beating Spain. Jordi's probably going to go now, I'd imagine. Is this another case of uh, a team beating another team with a draw? Beating them out of the competition. Yeah, we had it, we had it with... No, we officially called Faroe Islands draw with Norway a victory. And I think Austria can, can also claim that. Ah, yeah, it feels like... I, I think every, every draw in this competition has been a victory or a loss for one team. So Faroe Islands beat Norway in, in their draw. Then Austria devastatingly destroyed Spain with a 33-33 draw. Switzerland won 26-26 against France. And uh, Serbia lost badly 27-27 to Iceland and the last draw which I'm trying to find is also Austria Alex <laughs> also Austria the, big, the biggest win of all <laughs> a, a huge win against Croatia 28-28 but it's it's a, it's something that we a lot of people say about the European Championship that there's no easy games but I think with the expansion of the tournament to 24 teams it's taken it a little while just a couple of competitions for the lower teams to really catch up and we're seeing that now it's so unpredictable the level of handball is incredible and i'm just really really annoyed 
that we all have to watch three really big games starting at the same time to close out the groups. Yeah. What is up yeah, with that? That is ridiculous. That is ridiculous. But I think they came into my mind. Do you, This is a theory I have. Do you think the Georgian team came into this tournament to go and look like we're not going to win it, we're not going to get to the main round even, let's just go fucking berserk and uh, maybe we'll get a contract out of this from some <laughs> club and they're just want, they're looking for the highlights and they're just going absolutely berserk. <laughs> I think that was George's approach. I think that was Greece's approach. Never have I seen a team with more cojones face Denmark and just go, we are three or four levels below these guys, but we're going to play their style and we'll see what happens. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they're like really brave performances. Super impressed with it. And uh, I think there's a few contracts up for grabs for sure for some of these guys. Um, even Big Vuko, who we had in the last podcast, he's <laughs> like playing his heart out, you know. I've really enjoyed it. Even Bosnia, who, as Medjad predicted, would be a disgrace. They were a disgrace, yeah. but they they had one. They had one. They were on the losing side of a of a great uh, game. And who would have thought of all the debutants that it would be Georgia to get the win? Uh, out of the three but all three debutants I think are winners in one way or another from this opening opening week I think we should mention uh, some of the interviews we have coming up later because this is going to be a uh, a members only podcast for the second half of it so the first half is open to everyone as we uh, look back and look forward to the second half of the championship we have Aaron Palmerson Adrian Shipos <laughs> Matthias Gietzel and Martin Costa all on the way uh, at some point during this podcast as they they reflected on their journey so far uh, for very different perspectives. And uh, you're going to hear some of them as uh, a free listener, but some you won't. You have to subscribe on patreon.com forward slash handball hour. I want to just say thank you to some of the uh, latest people to sign up, such as Anna Vilmer, Victor Molero, Haider Haiderson, Tristan Tisch. Uh, what a what a wonderful name. I mean, the names are just getting better uh, <laughs> day after day. And uh, hopefully some more of you will also support us uh, from now until the end of the championship because it's already felt like a long one, but we're, we're, we're on the eve of a eight-day main round with four games it just it's just gonna get like bigger and bigger <laughs> brian campion it's... puts his head in his hands <laughs> there's, there's two one. more weeks of this there's boys two there's, there's two, two more weeks, weeks. No, it's nuts. i don't want to jinx it i'm, really, I'm really worried about jinxing it we're talking about great it turns into an absolute stinker after this germany get knocked out now and all the wind fo- no it's not gonna happen i can't see it happening but anyway, let me ask you this what why do you think this like do you think the opening match and people seeing those scenes and the team seeing all that, that world record in the, in the football arena and 53,000 people. <clears throat> do you think that kind of set the tone for the, <clears throat> excuse me, set the tone for the whole tournament? And that's why we're just, everyone is just seems to be so up for it. Or what, what, what do you think it is? Or is the fact that it's just in Germany and it's the first time here? Crowds have been great. I mean, that, that must be a part of it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've been in so many championships over the years where the early games or even both games in some venues are have like a piddly thousand or two thousand yeah. people but um having 11 12,000 people here in munich every day uh and not just like the traveling fans but also the locals really buying into it dominic klein probably single-handedly like selling every individual ticket around the <laughs> around bavaria and uh and I, I saw it was the same in Mannheim, where that's even more ridiculous 
you know, we all know how terrible uh, Reinach Leuven fans are for international matches. So it's nice that they showed up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that must have that must have had a role to play. And then, as as Alex said, the just the standard has has raised. You know, we've had the the odd breakthrough team uh, in every championship since it became twenty four teams. Twenty twenty was Portugal. Twenty twenty two was Netherlands and now we just see the bottom level has really risen and uh, that decision to to make it 24 teams has really paid off and uh, yeah I, I don't know what else besides that is kind of an influencing factor some of the big teams have not have like been found out a little and we'll get to Iceland because they've been found out for sure but <laughs> um, yeah it's there's so so much has happened that it's hard to generalize i think shall we get into the games uh, and and try to uh get into details i think the the one we have to start with is the shock that spain have dropped out of the championship meekly after quite a poor performance in the preliminary round overall and the one year the one year i go for spain to get a medal they fucking do this to me. Absolutely <laughs> bullshit. No, no, I call. It's mad because this is the first first time in twenty years, and the first time since the main round system was even created that they've not made it to the main round. So it's absolutely bonkers, mm. bonkers stuff. Like, yeah, and, and who thought that it would be Austria that uh, knocked them out of, of the preliminary round? And you have to give it to Austria. They were absolutely amazing and kind of came out of nowhere to get two victories through draws and go into the main round um unbeaten they are unbeaten unbeaten and one more point in germany <laughs> than the main round. i mean if you said that to beforehand that <laughs> austria are gonna have one more point at starting the main round in germany you'd be like and iceland <laughs> but it was a disaster for spain really um this so the match um they, i think we all knew it was going to be a tight match uh spain we talked about how Spain trusted their old guys. You know, I can't believe you were watching a game where Canaeus is running the attack and Vera Marosh is the center of defense. It's it's ridiculous. It shouldn't happen. And it, it should be on Jordi Ribera that he hasn't been able to foster some players into the squad um, to, to help them out. I know Spanish, the Spanish kind of talent pipeline hasn't been has had a little bit of a drought now they're coming in with an amazing generation maybe that will fill the gaps but this was the year that they really fell between the gaps and Austria were fantastic um Nikola Bilic who I think people forgot about and he he had a devastating knee injury and he kind of step back in uh, Kiel's overall pecking order but he's back to being a top player he got eight goals from 11 shots and four assists and I think more it was more than four assists that he actually contributed to he really ran the show it was a shock Alex Dushabayev getting a red card in the first half take us through that situation because Brian and I were taking care of different games at the time so how how did that happen (laughs) Alex Dushbaev, in, in, in defense, uh, hand to the face is really the the red what card. Was it to the face, though? It was... Was it not to the, up, to the arm? I, I think that the, the, the reason why it was a red card is because is it hit the face. But I... Uh, have you, have you just watched been, the back in the stands? 
Uh, Brian has uh, been listening to Spanish propaganda, I think. Yeah, little, I was sitting beside a Spanish guy. But um, <laughs> but uh, we did watch it back a few times, and it did look like he kind of comes in from the side, and he kind of catches him like on his uh, his upper arm and kind of pushes it over his head, and he obviously, uh, who's your man, Hudacek, isn't it, that falls over. And um, it just looked awkward to me, but it looked like a two minutes. It it was probably a little bit harsh. I, I thought the reason was that, yeah, he took the arm, but then I thought he essentially followed through to, to the face, which which led to the red card. I would say a harsh decision. Yeah. I think a lot of Spanish fans would say it's a very harsh decision. But without Alex Dushabayev, that team is lost. Mm. It's like, what is that backcourt? Ian Tarafeta had a unbelievable game he stepped in and i think uh, it was a mistake by jody Rivera to not integrate tarafeta into the team we know that modern handball is about a fast playmaker that's what makes it work and with tarafeta in it essentially the, the attack flowed much better um and can i just give a big props just for the comeback of the seven versus mm-hmm. six I haven't heard many people at this championship uh, lamenting the sport because of seven um, and six. If you saw Portugal yesterday against Denmark, then. <laughs> and, but that's that's uh, just one example. But yes, I, I get your point. I, I think you know, we, we talked about this years ago when seven and six was starting to become a trend, and we talked about how, or I, I said that essentially. People are going to figure it out and how to use it. It's not going to be a total scheme and we're going to see 7 and 6 all the time and it's going to be lots of empty net goals. Teams are going to utilize it and the teams that do utilize it are going to be good at it. And there is a risk to it, but that risk is worth the potential benefit you have, especially for an underdog team. We saw Faroe Islands use it absolutely exquisitely. I don't think they conceded you can see barely any empty net goals. I really didn't see many in, and they employed it almost throughout. Again, the lower nation team. It was two against two against Norway. Yeah, but again, very like overall huge net benefit. Um, for Austria, it worked really well against Spain. Uh, big Toby ah. Wagner on the line, and Spain just couldn't deal with him. He he's perfect for that position. And if you look at them as well, they were very different styles of seven and six between what Austria did and what Faroe Islands did. Austria really used it in a classic sense where they spread out the defense and tried to get it to the line or the back player score. What Faroe Islands did was they really, well, they had skipper, so they could do whatever they want. But, you know, they got it out to the wing all the time. So we're seeing now variations in how seven and six is employed and then you know the risk doesn't come off for some teams and that's Portugal who had an absolute disaster Matias Gisel scored five goals in four minutes to absolutely devastate them let me ask you this about uh, about the two teams coming from from this group Austria and Croatia both coming with a point uh, at the very beginning of this championship we were all hyped about uh, Croatia's result but then came the injury to Ivan Martinovic um, is that too much of a blow for them to overcome, you think, in this main round? I, I think it's difficult. Um, even though uh, the replacement right back, uh, uh, Claritza, Luca Claritza, had a really good game against Romania, 
so you can't really judge that to to the full extent he got seven goals um i think martinovic was going to be the player of this new generation of croatia that was going to make the difference he was going to be the the new leader and of all the amazing backcourt players they have they don't have another left-handed one uh, having to rely on a, a player like a 22-year-old Zagreb right back, um, Luka Klaritsa. So it was probably the, the only position that they couldn't replace easily. You know, if they, if they lost a left back, they have a whole string of experienced uh, superstars on the bench that could fill in. Um, right back's a little bit more difficult. I don't think it's over and you know the beauty of the main round is you just don't know which group is actually stronger than the other so you know we could see Croatia lining up against uh, Germany and then just knocking them out of the park because actually Croatia and Austria are amazing teams and they knocked out Spain because they were amazing (laughs) so um, we'll see that but I think difficult for Croatia for Germany it's a nice route to the semi-final. They go into the main round with zero points, but you know what? Like, who's there to stop them? Yeah, well, first game against Iceland. Uh, Iceland, too. And that, I think Germany will be very very confident in that. But, like, Aaron Palmerson in Lanxus Arena, where he's won all those MVP titles. Um, I mean, I, I before we get into that, like... On Germany, like before we pa- plot their route to the semi-final, uh, what did you guys make of them? I mean, I have only got to see one full game live, and that was the opening game. Since then, they cantered to victory against the Macedonians, and and then lost today against France. What did you did you feel something uh, a bit different about that game against France today, Brian? Like the the first real test of the championship for them. Everybody was so disappointed with how France looked in the in their opening games. And I think everyone felt like the France looked really laboured and slow. And it just... Uh, en- Engosan at the backcourt looked terrible. When Karabatic came on, he looked really bad. <laughs> but today, in typical French style, they seemed to be able to turn it up. And it was almost like that classic French attitude. When everyone starts booing you, you're like, well, do you know what? Fuck these guys, <laughs> you know? And that's, that's what it kind of felt like today. And they really started playing well. And I thought like they kind of handled the... Like the crowd were being very hard at certain points and they kind of were able to roll with it. I don't know how Nikola Karabatic got player of the match, but look, it's lovely for him. <laughs> yeah. he, got a, he got a few goals and uh, he seems happy out with himself. Um, uh, but I think France were much better, especially especially you could see it in the last maybe 15 minutes of the second half. They really started to kind of turn the screw a lot. Like, And I think if it wasn't for... Andy Wolf saves. I think he's sixteen in the end. I think he was just they were they were breaking through like just the, the French attack was just flying through the defense, and he was just pulling off these these the most incredible saves. So I think maybe the scoreline even flattered flattered Germany slightly. I don't know. I wouldn't be so confident about Germany getting to a semi final. I don't know. What France did really well is they figured out that. Kai Hefner is playing right back. They looked at that <laughs> backcourt. They opened their eyes. <laughs> they opened their eyes. They saw Julian Custer shooting over them. They saw Yuri Knorr running the game. And then they looked at, what, 35-year-old Kai Hefner and thought, you know what? Maybe we'll let this guy beat us. 
And that's what they did in the second half. Because essentially, they completely shifted their defense over and let Kai Hafner just loose. Here's space for you. Do what you can. And unfortunately, he can't do that much. Like he's a good player to fit in a system. But when it's him that's deciding a game, that it's not good enough. And um, it was very clever from France to to basically open up that side and it, it, it hindered Germany. And the thing is with France is their center block has looked so bad in this championship. Against Switzerland, it is... It was one of the worst defensive performances I've ever seen. Switzerland scored 12 goals from the line players all through the middle because whoever it was, at, at some stages it was like Remy Lee and uh, Luka Karabatic in, in that center block. Then Karl Kanan came in. It was a mess. Fabregas didn't play in defense at all against Switzerland. He played a little bit. But still, Luka Karabatic is trusted with that defense and he's had a horrible tournament. And that's where Germany had a lot of success in the first half and stayed with it. And then the solution um, that Game Jim came up with, it's like, I can't trust my center defenders. They're going to concede these goals with just push them to the side. And it worked. But I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about France as well. They need to sort out that defense. After that, you're, you're, are you feeling more confident about Germany or France? I mean, you said the path is there because they've already faced France, Germany. Now the the rest is easy in comparison. You think? I think Germany are still good enough. Um, they, you know, I think they got caught a little bit with um, France's defense and opening up that Kai Hefner space. But Germany just have the best goalkeeper in the world, and that's going to be good enough for this main round. Like Andy Wolf isn't. This isn't just one game. He just keeps doing it. Emil Nielsen. Emil Nielsen, what is fifty percent save rate? May argue, but uh, you know we're, we're <laughs> splitting hairs here. We're splitting hairs, here. especially with a home crowd and um, Andy Wolf in the type of um, explosive form that he is uh, is is good enough. And I think they have played really good, cultured handball and. In this case, France were just a little bit better, just a little bit faster. But I, I think that game goes differently if they play again. I don't think it was really that demolition. And I, I know, Brian, you mentioned that the score kind of flattered Germany. But I just, you, you just, I think Andy Wolfley is going to give you your 13 saves a game each time. They're just relying on that. And, and that's good enough. Yeah, but I mean, because also, like, if Andy doesn't have a great game as well, I think Spät has shown that he he can come up with some some massive saves as well. He could be he seems to be fairly reliable for them also. So they do have a good duo there. It's not just it's not just Andy. I think Spät has something in him. I love how that, how Spät does the exact same celebration every time he scores. He does that kind of hard yeah. man arms down, hopping around the place, <laughs> literally like carbon copy every single time he scores. Fucking same celebration each time. But yeah, a bit of a nut job, I think. But anyway, that's, that's yeah, good. for sure. Okay, uh, we still have two more teams to talk about in Group One: the teams that came from Munich, Hungary, and Iceland. And uh, we, before we talk about their game today and their chances, let's hear what uh, some of the players had to say about Hungary. Surprisingly, one-sided win. 
over Iceland. Uh, we spoke to our favourite man on the Hungarian team, Adrian Sipos. And then after that, we hear from Aaron Palmerson. I see the Hungarian flag on your cheeks. Did that come after the game? Uh, this is uh, from my kid <laughs> uh, and my wife. They they was here for uh, for helping me and support me in all of uh, these three games. And uh, how they kiss me and hug me, I I have this uh, flag from them. I remember you telling me about your your kids uh, also talking about your red cards in the past. No red cards this time. A very positive. I think a very very strong yes. defensive performance at this championship yeah. so far. I need uh, to defend strong and uh, that's why it's really hard to keep it sometimes without red card. I try always to take care of uh, my game uh, and uh, sometimes to don't get two minutes or red cards. Uh, yeah, it's it's really difficult. Uh, and today was the first time when I get uh, two times two minutes. Uh, I didn't feel... Uh, the second was an the accident. Second one, was there, I know. think was nothing but... Uh, in the last game, I also get something like this. The referees decide this. This is another thing. They saw like this in the moment. I don't complain anymore. I need to think about the next game and the next defense. Yeah, let's focus on the positive sides. Uh, the first time that Hungary have won three games in a row in the preliminary yes. round of European Championship. The toughest group as well, by far. What an amazing achievement so far. Yeah, how do you say? Uh, I think this is the hardest group, and uh, where we will go again will be the hardest group <laughs> with, uh, with the, these teams. Uh, I think uh, here in uh, Europe it's really hard to find uh, not not that good teams. Uh, I'm really really happy because we won these three games, and uh, how you say this is the first time in uh, our history, and uh, we need to build uh, in this, and we need to keep like this and go forward. The development of the team since two years ago, that home championship, which we don't need to talk about the disappointment of that, but the development since then has been fantastic. We saw the quarterfinal at the World Championship last year, and uh, it feels like the team comes in without too much expectation, without too much pressure on the shoulders, and you just deliver. Yeah, uh, in our Europe uh, was also, I think, the hardest group what we have, and uh, that time was... Uh few things I don't want to speak about what happened and maybe this was also a problem and that's why we don't play that well like now but I cannot say we was so worried because uh, we was in the game in in all the three games um, now we we went uh, one or two step forward and uh, we we could uh, keep this uh, winning uh, winning or way yeah. and I hope uh, we will stay like this and uh, to try to think more in the future not in the past and talk to me about the, the third quarter of the game because in every three, all three games here so it's right after half time you find a whole new level and you really take control of the game is that something in particular that you've focused on as a team? yeah it's, uh, I think it's really important uh, to be concentrated 60 minutes and uh, yeah, it was uh, before one, two games, like when uh, we let a little them to come back in the game. And today, I think uh, everyone wants two, three times more this uh, game. And uh, this was in the end, and we, we was really, really focused all the, all the 60 minutes. Yeah, the, the, the will was very clear, even from you know young Bense Imre coming in for his first game in the championship. 
His defensive plays was is fantastic. It, and uh, yeah, it was amazing, yeah, yeah. unbelievable. And I really, really happy for uh, for them. They are here with us, and uh, they try to 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 help us uh, with every moment. And uh, they try to follow us. And uh, this is a really good team, uh, and a really good thing. They can come, uh, everyone who come in the court, help us. And this is a really, really important for the players who want to arrive to the national team and want to help us. They need to come like them. What I think is really remarkable, uh, the red card for Bensa in the first half. I was your top scorer so far in the championship. A key defender inside with you. But Patrick comes in and both of you, you know, the whole defense, you, it feels like you don't miss him. Uh, we always, when it's happened something like this, we need to help each other. And uh, it was the moment when uh, we stay much more uh, together and uh, help each other much more, and uh, try to 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 do this uh, miss uh, plays what what he left uh, behind him. And Rostomik also in attack uh, did his job very well. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, me with uh, Ligi try to do everything to 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 take this place and. Uh, and don't have problem for us. <laughs> of course, you haven't had a chance to think about the main round. It's uh, uh, but you're top of the group. You know, two points, uh, eight goal difference ahead. Um, you know, come out of this group, I guess, with with no regrets, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like this. But I think we don't need to think about uh, what we have, where where we are in the table, uh, table, or these things. We need to think about just the next game and what will be the next game. We just. We will think just about this, and we will see what uh, what will bring these things for us. Uh, if we go one by one, uh, can be really good. But if we think for a final or something like this, can be a problem. Thank you, Adrian. Man. Good luck. Thank tomorrow. you so much. Care. So hard after right after a game like this to to take apart a result like this. But uh, what are your your first impressions of it? Almost speechless, because. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what's wrong. Usually you know what's wrong. Of course, you can say we lose a lot of balls. Uh, also, almost every game we play, we it looks like we are playing against the best goalkeeper in the world. Mm. We are shooting bad. We are uh, giving away easy balls. Uh, and that's something that I don't understand because we have really good technical players uh, who are playing at the highest level and have been doing that for quite some time now. And uh, and and we have you know great game plan. We have good. Everything is good. I think uh, the morale is good. So so I I don't have the answer. So it's it's we have to dig deep tonight. Hopefully we find some answers and then just move on. And uh, the first half, you know, they were hanging in very well. I mean, they they seemed to be playing a little bit better. Things were going their way, but still at the end there was only two goals in between it and you've shown already this week that you can come back from almost any situation but uh, this time in the second half did it feel like you know the, the team was also a little bit drained in, a, in attack? Uh, uh, we, we can't hide behind that somebody is tired or whatever mm. we are you know we are playing on, on a lot of players this tournament so uh, so no, that's not our excuse. It's maybe uh, it's it's just we are not executing it, you know, as good as we want. Mm. Maybe we're overthinking it. I don't know. Uh, maybe we want to do it always perfect. Uh, maybe to step down a little bit, 10, 15 percent, and take the take the good chance. Not always look at the look after the you know the excellent chance. Right. 
So I think that's that's something we we have to focus on. Shoot more. The teams are starting to just wait for us almost on six meters. Uh, so yeah, I think I think that's that's something we have to look at. On the positive side, this this format of the competition leaves four more games to play. We're two points behind. Um, from what you're saying, it seems like the, the right answers are not so far away. And do you think you as a group can also just kind of push this behind and we move on? Yeah, we wanted to do that after the Serbian game. We wanted to play better also against Montenegro. And uh, now this comes. So it's either, yeah, like go way down and, and play like something I don't want to say, but, uh, but or just, like you said, put it under the carpet and... Let's fucking go. That's it. You know, just rock and roll and 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 move on. Four more games, like you said. That's what eight points that that we want and that we need to get our to, to get to our goals. So yeah, that's that's the only thing that we're going to think about tomorrow morning. Thanks for sharing. Good luck with Kalan. Thank you. Adrian Chiposh. He's a new man. No more red cards. No more disappointing his daughter. He's a he's a new man on this Hungary team. Like Alex, I think we have to give you some credit here. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Ale- really good. No, no. Uh, but Alex, Alex, Alex did say. <laughs> right, you predicted them to go through, and uh, you probably didn't predict them to to win the group with uh, at a counter. Well, not at a counter. But there was this was the toughest group in the whole the whole thing, and the first time, believe it or not, that Hungary have won all three matches in a preliminary round of a men's Euro. And to do it in this group says an awful lot. They came into it without any expectation, without any pressure, as you said, Alex, and they've delivered so far. So Hungary with a 33-25 win, really, really impressive. Was it a case of Iceland continuing to be pretty terrible? Or um, were Hungary actually quite impressive here? I think it was a... A case of both at the same time, which is why it was such a one-sided game. Um, you know, double-digit score at one point, and Aaron Palmerson said it best himself when he said he was speechless, and then continued to talk for three minutes about it. I, I think it's Hungary. I mean, Hungary—they know what they're doing at both ends of the court. Their defense is really, really well set up. Like that, uh, basically, the three guys who take turns in the center block: Ligetvari. Shipos and Banhidi. Banhidi got the red card in the first half, which I thought would really like throw them off because he's been he's back to best player, best best line player in the world. Banhidi, fifteen goals in the opening two games, uh, completely unstoppable. What, what was his? Uh, what was the red card like? Was it a classic Banhidi clumsy tackle to decapitate a, a person? Decapitation, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know if it was necessarily clumsy, like. Uh, Gisley Christiansen just was really low, so it was it was. I felt like there might have been a <laughs> mitigating factor because Christiansen was like, you know, sideways as he usually is. Um, but they responded really well to that, and I think it's a good sign when I don't really understand how it's working. Chamber Rodriguez brings in players that I'm I'm kind of surprised that they're starting the game like Gabor Anchin, for example. You know, he's the, he is, in my mind, the third-choice right-back behind Zoran Ilic and Dominic Mathe. He started every game. He's not particularly fast, but 
He gets a little bit of space, and he's got that big left arm still. Uh, Matej Lekai still he, he does the job for 15 or 20 minutes, makes a couple of stupid mistakes, then they bring on the young guys. They just give everyone a chance. The young wingers are just like playing their socks off, and Hustle plays over and over again. They just want it more than everyone else. Um, it's a team that finally, I think, are playing with the shackles off. They've gotten rid of the mentality that have haunted Hungarian handball teams for the last 400 years. Brian is I mean, grimacing yeah, I know, right I know. now. <laughs> right. Well, I, and you know, you were doing it, it's happening again. <laughs> As you heard, I asked Adrian about it, about the main round. He's like, it doesn't matter. Like, we're here now. Like, we're not going to worry about that. We just, you know. It's going well. Let's just keep it going. It's like they're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not over exaggerating anything. They're just happy to be there, and I think that's a that's a good position for them to be in. They are happy. Happy to be here. This is a fucking nuts competition. You can't be happy. Yeah, they are, but they are dying for it. For the sixty minutes, they are dying for it. Alex said to me after his game. Do you know what's Alex Vlasa to me? He goes after the game, he goes, we're going to fucking do it. We're going all the way to the top. Yep. That's the kind of balls you need in this guy. You can't yep. be happy to be here. That's, what, that's the Hungarian's view. You know? <laughs> do it again um, to us. On the f- <laughs> Jeez, a PTSD from Brian coming out. <laughs> the FTC PTSD. <laughs> uh, I, I really, no, but I would love to see the Hung- yeah. Hungarians get to the semi-final though. Really, I, I'm saying this out of love. Do you know, I live... I'm always in, in Hungary for work. I obviously have to work with a lot of clubs and the National Federation a lot. So it kind of pains me as well because you kind of get invested when you're closely working with a lot of the people and meeting a lot of the players really regularly like as well. So I'd love to see them do well. I know be, I like to be harsh on them, but for Hungary to get this semi-final, that'd be, that'd be really spectacular. Top of the league, I, having a laugh. And they'll fancy themselves against Austria. Yeah. First game. You know, go into that, win that. They're on four points. Croatia's a tough one, obviously. And then Germany and France. (laughs) (laughs) No easy game. No easy game. They've come through a tough run. They've come through, you know, uh, a a last second victory against Montenegro. They held on to the last second against Serbia. And then, you know, the one game that we didn't expect to be a blowout, or if if there was going to be a blowout, we figured it would be Iceland doing the blowing. No, it it was Hungary. They absolutely smashed them. And two goalkeepers who... Nobody knows. Both at different times have had a stormer. And they're they're the they're the epitome of just happy to be here. You know, they don't do the macho celebration. They're, they've got the little smiles. Like, I'm so happy to be helping the guys. It's like, I did, I did it again. <laughs> Stop the ball. But they're they're what they're wonderful. And uh Chema Rodriguez is working wonders with these guys. Uh they are playing out of their skin. And when you see, like, they, the sum of their parts is so much greater than the individuals. But the individuals, pretty good. Banhidi, Roshta, Shipposh, Ligatvari, like, in, in two, and then the whole backcourt. They're, they're pretty stacked. And is this another case of a coach trusting the youth and allowing... It's not Matalek Lekai who's running this Hungarian team. It's... Gergo Fajikas, or, you know, um, was it Haugas? Egon uh, Hannes, yeah. Hannes, Hannes. Um, you know, he's trusting the younger guys uh, and they're coming through for him. But talking about being invested, Chris, 
Iceland, <laughs> talk to me. Oh my god, I know, right? I mean, if you, you must, what you're feeling about Spain? At least Iceland are still in the competition. My silver medalists. Um, yeah, I mean, Aaron Palmerson put it really well. You know, he's like, I, I think the the solutions are all there. They have the they have the they have the game plan. They are quite literally over-egging the pudding. Something we love to say, and they're doing it. And and he said there, you know, instead of going for the great solution, maybe we just have to go for the good solution and just like take the shot. <laughs> and, and he 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 epitomized that in in the the end of the Serbia game where he just took some shots. Uh, he did a little bit against Hungary as well. Um, yeah, I mean, there's no excuse, and he said it. There, there's no excuse for this team. There's no injuries. There. They've got the ch- they've got a Champions League winning backcourt. There's really I don't understand it. Um, and I think the the good thing for them is the format of this competition that they are not so far behind now. Like they are just two points behind. And if they go and finally turn it on, because it doesn't sound like this, it's too far away from them. And we've seen good moments of it, but they could easily just turn it on. You know, Gisley Christiansen will show up in Lexus Arena who's like, oh yeah, I am this good. Remember I did this thing a few months ago? And like, and Aaron Palmerson, MVP there, I don't know, 15 times. And if they do, then there's not a lot of, like, eight points to play for. Um, so I think it's just a very unusual situation for them to be in. It's not They're no longer kind of, you know, plucky underdogs or they don't have any, like, crutches to lean on. There's no excuses and as he said, we just got to get fucking on with it and rock and roll. <laughs> but maybe we will see Iceland rocking and rolling in the main round. But I am not confident at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounded, from all of that, it sounded like you're confident. Uh, uh, I know, it's like, it's a, long, it's a long way to go, but I, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Like, just in their opening game against Germany, like, I feel like in terms of styles matchups, I feel like they'll, they'll fancy themselves against Germany. Do you yeah, not think yeah, so? Yeah, they're the best players in the Bundesliga against a bunch of second-rate Bundesliga players. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you look at it that, when you look at it that way, you know, they'll be fine. <laughs> Philip Weber. Get out of here. <laughs> this, this guy cleans my shoes on Tuesdays. <laughs> So they, maybe they just need to tell themselves that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Shall we move on to the, the other side of the Let's. Uh, championship where there wasn't as there wasn't a big shock in terms of a, a big team exiting. And I think the the two Scandinavian powerhouses in Denmark and Sweden looking good in a good place, while Norway, again, another team I trusted year on year, really not looking good after a loss to Slovenia. Um, any any impressions on um, those those three Scandinavian teams and how they're looking? Do you want to start with uh, Norway, Brian? Yeah, yeah, Norway. Yeah, it's fucking like, I mean, they were so... Like, uh, Sander Sagerson after the game he was like kind of breaking some equipment around the court and people were like Sander you need to kind of calm down now a bit like you know he was like kicking stuff over and stuff like that like an EHF employee is running over all sweaty like uh, Sander can you stop breaking our equipment we don't have, we only have one, we only have one of them um, but I don't know like they, it kind of just feels to me like 
Harold Rankin is just such a liability. They could ruin everything. <laughs> well, okay. All right, let's... Um, I mean, before we talk about, like, Harold Rankin might be a liability, but Magnus Rhodes' foot is a liability. It's the classic case is just showing up again. Magnus Rhodes getting injured. I didn't even see that him getting injured. I mean, I think... Did anyone notice he when he got injured? He just kind of just wobbled off, and then, like, at the time, no one seemed to even realise he was gone off the court, and then all of a sudden we heard he had a broken foot the next day. So that was a bit of a weird one, but... Yeah, so so they lost so they lost twenty nine twenty eight to Slovenia, and Slovenia now topped the group with with two points into the main round. Bit of a surprise. I, I wasn't really expecting Slovenia to do much in this championship, but they they have shown up. But again, what happened is just terrible execution at the end of a game by Norway. Um, in this case, what well, I think, um. Daniel Hogland also mentioned this in our preview podcast that they used to just rely on Sander Sagesen to just score from 10 meters to get them a win or a draw or a result. And that's exactly what happened with 10 seconds left on the court. They lined up a ridiculous shot from the all the way in the left back position for him to just get blocked. And they had 10 seconds. I guess, so they, only, I guess they only had one pass yeah. though, right? Because the, the hand it, hand was up for passive play, was it? Was it? The hand was up for passive play. So, but he could have bounced it. <laughs> I don't know. He could have done. Yeah, I think they only had one pass. But still, I I agree though. He he was looking for a miracle. But that, that whole the whole last attack. But maybe Brian, you're kind of you're close to the bench, and have you heard some of these timeouts from Norway and in these last second scenarios what what's their atmosphere what's the approach from Jonas Vila what's what's going on is Norwegian really being put to the test now I mean my, yeah my Norwegian has been really put to the test now um <laughs> I mean I don't know what they're on about like but no but it, there does seem a kind of there's a frantic energy about them and I feel like when you're losing games in that fashion or dropping points like <clears> today <throat> against the Faroe Islands it doesn't breed exactly much confidence for uh for the rest of the the tournament, and I was talking to Daniel Hergland after the game as well. And he said like it was felt like it was they gone back to what it was like. Was it Spain where they played against where they really kind of fluffed it up again? Was it? Yeah, it was the the, the quarterfinal of the World Championship in uh, Egypt? Yeah, oh, quarterfinal yeah. of the World Championship. Sorry, yeah, yeah, where they really kind of they kind of went back into that gear again, um, and they kind of they kind of just seem to do just lose their heads a little bit. It's like lose their heads and then just give it to Sander, and hopefully he can just sort it out. And uh, and the thing is, he Sander's just not always able to do it. Like Sander never does that; it never works for them. Like, well, he did back in when they went on that run in the first Euro, didn't they? He Sander was coming up with the goods then, like in terms of like he does it in, during the sixty minutes. He doesn't get the final shot on goal like that. That's that's so it's yeah. asking way too much. Yeah, but yeah. it's time and time he's again they're just like, like yeah he's not Dushabayev. Like he, I, I would say you know during a sixty minutes under Sagasen many times is better than Dushibayev, but he's not going to be the guy who just scores that last second winner. And he's never been that guy and they keep giving it to him. They just have to figure out okay, who, something. Who else would you it's, give it to? It's annoying who me else, at this who stage. Who else would you give it to? Tobias Grundle. He's the kind of player Christian who O'Sullivan. Or Christian O'Sullivan. <laughs> uh, so, uh, give a play, you know, someone, uh, Christian O'Sullivan doesn't have the arm anymore. No, kind of but Tobias Grundle does. <laughs> he, he's, he's someone yeah. who, he, he'd shoot from 20 meters in the final second if you give him a chance. He would actually. He would actually. Yeah. But name one more though. But but it's <laughs> but it's not <laughs> maybe not the like. <laughs> oh, nah, <probably> <laughs> glass, glass, glass. Uh, yeah. But it, 
it's not necessarily about that final final shot it's the it's always the last possession that leads to for some reason a um a panel or a foul on nine meters and they're forced to do that because they're trying to force it to Sander Sagasson to score that goal for like 30 seconds and it doesn't work and then he has to take that shot instead of doing something else to to try get that goal um it's yeah it's really annoying and I don't I don't blame it on Sagasson for not getting that goal I really blame it on the team for not getting their shit together Year on year, just get your shit together. Yeah. Slovenia, we mentioned briefly there. Eurodolinets is still playing. This is great. It's a, like <laughs> Eurodolinets in flight past the uh, match Kovšek, and I'm like, <laughs> I was like, wow, it's 2017 all over again. Uh, but uh, they, I don't know, is it, is it a bit like Hungary with them? I, I think it might just be Alex Fla. I think he's the X factor for them. Because it's the same team. It's the same team as always. The same faces. Bombats are still there. Blagatinchek on the line. Zarabets is popping up. There's nothing different. In goal, Ferlin and Urban Leshak. What, what is he? 70 years old? 33 <laughs> years old. <laughs> but the big difference is Alex La coming in. And in that game against Norway, he, he, was, he was their best player. He scored seven goals. Yeah, he was the His difference. difference. And he was giving them kind of the goals that we've often talked that Slovenia just kind of don't have. I know he's not that big of a guy, but he somehow has a big presence on the court. And he kind of, he was pulling goals out and just some really nice, like long, long distance shots. Um, and I, what I especially like, like what I like about Slovenia is when you're shooting video with them and you go up really high up, they're just, their, their movement is just so incredible when you compare it to other teams as well. And you really see like they are a, a bunch of playmakers and you really do see that when you're, when you're watching them from above. But I quite liked what I saw from Slovenia, and I was a bit surprised. And it's funny that Chris said there, "Is it a bit like Hungary?" And I felt like I was—I felt that this, I thought, said that to myself before we came on here. I feel like Hungary and Slovenia are have looked really good, and I don't want to get too excited about them just yet, though, because what I did like about <laughs> Slovenia was I think they handled the end of that game really well. Um, and I don't, but I don't want to say it too well because how with how much Nora maybe maybe fucked it up. Um, but there's a there is a bit of a swagger to the Slovenian team, and I think as you said, Alex Vlak kind of gives them that, and it's something it's something a bit different that they maybe have lacked in in other years. Yeah, and he got the 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 match with uh, the Clear yeah, match, yeah. the game winning goal. Um, uh, 28-27 Um, just with a minute to go and. If you look at the last three attacks, it was Alex La to Blagatinchek um, assist. Alex La to Blagatinchek assist. Alex La went himself and got the goal. So he's come out as their leader, um, really out of nowhere, um, and it's it's really good to see. Let me ask you this though, just slightly off topic: um, Is Skipper basically a Nordic version of Ivano Balic? Yes, he is, isn't he? Yeah, like some of his movements. It's that. That stop that he does, and then no one touches him, and he just then, oh, you're not going to touch me? Okay, I'll just go in. And he's so many, like, the way he does things, I watched him going, God, he really is like a Van Obalic. And, and he's just, yeah, I know we're not talking about the farewell, and so we were not going to talk about it because it didn't progress, but he was really a pleasure to behold. And 
he's really starting to capture people's imagination now. Ah, yeah, and I, I think that's such a good comparison. And there was there was a video that that was posted by I think by EHF Euro, and was probably your video that you took, uh, where he he's standing on like seven meters, yeah, yeah, and he fakes once, then fakes again, tries to pass it to the line, then looks to the wing, and. All, the defense doesn't touch him. They're all just terrified. terrified yeah. And eventually he just sails through. He just sails through and scores himself. Yeah. And all of this is done standing on the seven meter line. And that's very Ivana Balic like. It reminds me of that um, famous goal he scored where he, he got to like seven, eight meters. A defender kind of tackled him and then thought the job was over. And Balic just went through and scored, yeah. uh, stopped for a second, went through and scored. So very similar. And again, uh, Faroe Islands, not quite, they didn't quite get there. Uh, they had their moment uh, against Norway. Their young guns were just amazing. Um, Skipper with 25 goals, 26 assists, yeah. um, which is a bonkers return across three games. Yeah. When I, when I, when I saw them like on paper, I was like, oh no, after seeing them, like kind of draw against Norway, I was like, oh, they should be Poland. Poland have been having muck, and then as soon as they're in the warm up, then I was like, oh no, no, they're Poland are way bigger. <laughs> like it was insane <laughs> the size difference between Shipjack on one side and then the whole squad of Fairway to like, oh, they're like boys, and I was like, no, this this is this ain't good, you know. I mean, styles make matchups, and I was yeah. like, going, I was like, oh, I kind of started to lose confidence as I saw the warm up. But um, and that's probably in the end just the physicality. Just they couldn't cope with it for sixty minutes, and it kind of the last ten minutes they were struggling physically a lot. But uh, other than that, I mean, amazing tournament. Okay, before we talk about Denmark and Portugal, I had a chance after their group final uh, to speak to Martim Costa, one of the breakthrough stars for Portugal, and first Matthias Gietzel from Denmark. Nice uh, little exchange between you and uh, Nicholas after uh, probably what your fifth or sixth empty net goal in a row. Mm. Uh, what was all that about? Yeah, he said that I had to owe him a beer for all those assists uh, <laughs> uh, in the second half. Yeah, obviously uh, we um, we Portugal started playing this seven against six, uh, and like we, uh, we. That's it for the free part of this podcast. Uh, if you want to hear more on main round as well as our interviews with Matthias Gitzel and Martin Costa, you have to head on over to patreon.com forward slash handball hour and subscribe to be a member. We have lots of bonus content like this episode coming your way all the way through the championship and you can get involved with things like the Discord and our Fantasy League. So head on over to Patreon to hear the rest of this podcast. Yeah.